Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at thehuddle.com with your host Steve Gallo and co-host Jake Richmond and Harley Schultz. Welcome back to the Blitz Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gallo, and as usual, I'm joined by my trusty sidekick and partner in crime, Mr. Harley Schultz. Harley, how you doing? You know, I'm doing extremely well. It's, it's great here in Minnesota right now. I feel like we salvaged our season in a heartbeat over this weekend when uh, Rick Spielman stepped up and actually uh, made a trade that's going to give the Vikings a chance to still succeed despite the loss of Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, that has to be a... a wide range of emotions that Viking fans went through between the, wow, what happened to Teddy, what's going on with our season, to all of a sudden, wow, what did we just give up for who, for what, you know, Sam Bradford, but I think it was a good deal, and I'll tell you why I'm excited. I'm excited because we're less than 48 hours away from actual, real, regular season NFL football. That's just kind of scary to even envision that, uh, we're this close to actual football that means something. I mean, now we're coming up on a Thursday night game where it's going to be a rematch of the Super Bowl. Two of the teams, the best two teams in football from last season, are going to be nodding horns once again here on Thursday night. Now, of course, uh, most Thursday night games so far in history have been kind of either one-sided or just low-scoring or just not very fancy uh, useful. So, it remains to be seen if uh, these two uh, reasonably good offenses, not dynamic, but reasonably good offenses, are able to perform well on Thursday night uh, coming back after facing each other in the big game. Yeah, the hardest thing to do with a new season, especially in the first three weeks of the season, is trying to project things and trends because we're basing a lot off of what we know from last year. And as we know, things in the NFL don't stay the same. So, I would say that initially most people probably are expecting this to be a low-scoring game because defenses should dominate. And watch it be 38-41 or something like that. Well, I think if it is end up being that sort of score, I think it probably favors Carolina because Carolina's defense took some hits this offseason, and I don't think Denver's really did that much. And Denver's offense got a little bit weaker by losing uh, Brock Osweiler and Peyton Manning. Yeah, there you go. So I'll tell you what, we're going to get into a bunch of different things today, some DFS stuff. We're going to help people out with the start of the season upon us on how to manage your lineups. But before any of that can happen, what I have to do is I have to send it over to Harley for this week's Blitz Podcast News. Thank you, Steve. The Vikings staked their all-in claim for this season by trading two draft picks for the perennially injured Sam Bradford. With multiple knee surgeries of his own, GM Rick Spielman thought Bradford would be a good therapy aid for former starter Teddy Bridgewater during his recovery. In addition, despite the multiple injuries, Bradford is still considerably more mobile than the concrete statue known as Sean Hill. (laughs) The Ravens shaved a few dollars off their budget by releasing and subsequently re-signing Justin Forsett this weekend. It was a shrewd business move, and immediately following the transaction, 
the Guinness Book of World Records visited their front office to discuss the fact that never before had any individual on the Beltway actually decreased a budget. J.J. <laughs> Watt is intending to play nearly every snap in Houston's opening game versus the Bears. We tried to reach out to Jay Cutler for his reaction to Watt's intention to play, but John Fox told us that Cutler was not available for comment, as he had asked to leave practice early to go home with a mistress ailment. <laughs> the San Francisco 49ers released fullback Bruce Miller following his being arrested for an assault on two men while he was intoxicated. His explanation to police following the arrest was that he was standing up to those two men because they were making fun of the fact that he played for the Niners. Upon hearing his statement, the SFPD released Miller claiming that he had suffered enough already. <laughs> Carson Wentz was named the starter in Philadelphia following the Sam Bradford trade. When asked if he was ready to lead an NFL offense, he said he was excited for it and that he had taken mental reps while out hurt this preseason. Wentz might actually have some DFS value this week because those mental reps are about as threatening to his well-being as the Browns' defense. <laughs> Jamal Charles is extremely questionable to play this coming Sunday, and even if he does play, the coaches have stated that he will cede touches to Spencer Ware. In response to this news, every Chiefs fan I know went out and added Niall Davis and Charkandrick West to their fantasy teams. And finally, Ezekiel Elliott was officially cleared of his domestic assault charge. Most of the world felt confident that his ex was fraudulent in the charge, and apparently they were right. Current Chargers linebacker Manti Teo chimed in on his acquittal with, I feel his pain. Ex-girlfriends can be really crazy. This has been your BPN News Update. That last one was a real good stinger, I gotta tell you. All right, so... Some good nuggets there in the news. But we need to move on to roster management and questions that like, you know, we're probably fielding on Twitter with regards to do I start Spencer Ware or Dante Moncrief in my flex spot? Um, do I start Jamal Charles? Do what do I do with Cam Newton this week? And the answer to that is it all depends. I mean, it's what it it's sad, but it's true. Um Let's take a look at, real quick at a question about, like, say, Spencer Ware and Dante, Dante Moncrief. I think that you have one situation where you've got a running back that's expected to get a little few more touches because Jamal Charles looks to not be ready for this week completely, right? So you think, goldmine, I'm going to play him. I would say that that seems like a risky and cloudy situation because we really don't know what's going to happen. As you hinted in the news, you can't trust Andy Reid at face value. Dante, Dante Moncrief, on the other hand, plays for a team that you know is going to throw the ball. You know their defense isn't going to stop any opponent that they have this year. So maybe he doesn't have the upside that you expect Ware to have, but I think he's a safer, more solid play. So what you have to do is, for those types of decisions, I think you have to, risk, you have to weigh the risk-reward part of it. But also, I'm a guy that, beginning of the year, there's not too many trends to work on. You drafted a guy in the third round or fourth round for a reason. I'm probably starting that person. As for your Cam Newtons and your Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees people, 
when you're saying, should I start him you know, week one, week two, et cetera, because it might be a tough matchup, I say you made your bed by drafting a quarterback early, lay in it. So if you drafted Cam Newton, don't ask me if you should start him against the Broncos. You drafted him to play him every week that he's playing and not on a bye. Yeah, it's kind of strange to say, should I bench my first-round pick just because he's facing a good defense? Uh, no. You drafted him in the first round because you felt they were a first-round pick. If uh, you're asking me about, say, your seventh-round pick, yeah. maybe then we can start talking about it. But no, if you make your first-round pick or your second-round pick Cam Newton, he's in your lineup come hell or high watermelon. I don't care if you make and That's a pretty good beer, by the way. I don't care if you make him your fifth-round pick. If he's a quarterback that you took that early, sorry, live with him. He's in your lineup because I'm not going to tell you to take him out. That's on you. It's You know what? If you drafted Cam Newton, then no. Don't tell me Tyrod Taylor's available on your waiver wire. Should I start him over him? Because guess what? I'd have told you you should have drafted Tyrod Taylor in the first place and gotten a better running back or a wide receiver so you didn't have such a difficult decision on what you're doing at your running back two or wide receiver three. Exactly. So, um, so that's, I think that's the key part that we need people to understand. Roster management this time of year comes down to mitigating risk. And what risk do you want to take? What upside do you see? I mean, beyond that, what type of advice would you have? Well, um, I, I want to bring up one league I'm in that's kind of antiquated, where the league still has no auction for free agent bidding uh, after the first week. So if your team loses the first week, you get the first pick in the waiver wire and so on down. So unless you're in a league where you get to strategically lose the first week, start your studs. You know, if nothing else, you'll feel good about the fact you wasted a high pick on the guys. And if they don't perform so well, then maybe next week consider weighing in your backups. Your backups are your backups for a reason. They're there to fill your buys. Uh, ultimately, you want your team to be the strongest uh, based on the number of starting positions you have. So like when you get into the season, you're not making trades to acquire depth usually. You're making trades to better the starting lineup you put on yep. paper every single week. And for the most part, you're picking people in your drafts. Now, there might be somebody that you know that you can get in the eighth round that you really value as a third-round pick, et cetera. But for the most part, as you're picking your players in your draft, you're picking them as you see them being better than the person you're going to get a round or two later. So this is the first real football we see. I'm sorry. The third preseason game, seeing those guys for a quarter or a half doesn't do much for me. So... Uh, Harley's waving at me feverishly here like he wants to add something, so I'll let him add. No, I, I just I feel that uh, you're, you're hitting every salient point that I have on the topic is that, uh, you know, it, it's early. Yeah. And here's the thing. It's early, right? So what I was getting at is there are no trends yet, Okay. So I'm going to default to my research or I'm going to default to the research of the people that I put my faith in that Antonio Brown's going to be a stud or that Dante Moncrief is going to be a wide receiver or two or three. After you start seeing live games and you see how defenses really are playing, then you can start making better educated guesses on the actual matchups. I always say don't draft off of last year's rankings. And I think it's faulty to try and 
formulate who to start this year based on that also. And we can only make assumptions right now. And, you know, assumptions are never good for you or me. That is the truth. So I'll tell you what would be a good thing to get into that isn't always going to make an ass out of you and me, and that's DFS. That's what people want to hear about now, right? Well, they want to hear about it because it's uh, it's the hip, new, wild, crazy, fun thing for kids to do today. It's uh, it's all about making money on a week-to-week basis rather than waiting all season to collect that big fancy payday. Do you want me to tell you what I I tell you? Well, I'll tell you what I think DFS reminds me of because you know they say old, what's old is new, et cetera. Like you know, bell bottoms were hip back in what the seventies, and then at some point, wider leg jeans came back, and now they're skinny stuff, which was kind of like from the fifties. So it happens with clothing and, and different things. Do you want me to tell you what DFS is to me? What is it to you, Steve? It is what horse racing used to be. And the crowd went quiet. Do you, do you get what I'm saying with that? You, you know, I, I do, actually, because uh, uh, a lot of the people who started out as horse racers were some of the uh, old-school professional gamblers. A lot of them were also poker players. Now, before Black Friday, uh, the online poker community was... Uh, very busy using their gambling dollars towards that uh, mode of uh, raising their wallets fuller and fatter. But then once that happened, so many of America's players had to find a new fun gambling obsession to take hold of. So the sudden onset of daily fantasy, FanDuel and DraftKings burst out of nowhere, and all of a sudden we've got all these people playing online. It's definitely the thing that is popular and it's still very popular to the state among the online gambling community. Yep, I just I don't know why. It's just something that to me it reminded me of. And I'm not talking about horse ga- horse racing like in the 70s. I'm thinking more of the 50s and 60s when it was a gentlemanly, scholarly type thing to do. Well, there was money on the line back then too. Oh, it was, but it wasn't looked at as you were a bad gambler, if you know what I mean. Uh, gambling's gotten a bad rap. I think that. Uh, it's a game of skill, so it's all about having fun and making some money, too. Well, then I say we get right at it and try to make our listeners some money and jump right into um, DFS, and we might as well start with the position I love to hate, quarterbacks. Well, for good reason, uh, you can apply a zero-quarterback theorem to DFS as well because a lot of the higher-priced quarterbacks will perform good but they'll perform at value during the season. So you're always looking for the best deals uh, based on who's going to perform well and not cost you an arm and a leg. Now, the guys I really like this week are Matthew Stafford and Phillip Rivers. They're both about 1,000, 1,200 or so underneath the uh, top-tier quarterbacks, but they both have great matchups, and they both have the ability to put up some big points. Now, the guy I like, I do like Stafford, but I'll give another person that I like. I actually like Kirk Cousins this week. Um, that Pittsburgh defense and that secondary, not based off of last year, but just based off of the way it looks to be comprised, the fact that they just traded for Eric Rowe from Philadelphia, um, they've got problems in that back, the back of that defense. So I like Stafford. So, that, so that's you're telling are. me that Pittsburgh traded for a defensive back from a team that gave up 36 passing touchdowns last year? Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. And I just said I like I said I like Stafford, but I was talking about Kirk Cousins at that point. But um. What else we got on the um, the quarterback side? of Who don't you like? Well, there's actually a second tier of quarterbacks I don't like this week as well, and that's Matt Ryan and Andy Dalton. I think they both have tough matchups, and their price tags are very, very close 
to those guys that I like above. So I'd almost rather if I'm going to spend 7200 on DraftKings for Matthew Stafford, I'm not going to spend 7100 on DraftKings for Matt Ryan. I think there's a huge difference in terms of their production this week. I'll tell you two guys I don't like. I'm going to go right to the top. I'm going to tell you Andrew Luck and Aaron Rodgers. With Rodgers, what I don't like is we really don't know what we're going to get with Jordy Nelson and what's going to happen to that offense. But as you stated earlier, there's really no value there to be had. Even if Rodgers has a great game, there's not much value to be had there. With Andrew Luck, look, I think that we'll still see him pass for 4,500 yards this year, 30-plus touchdowns. But right now, if there's a week that I would punt him a little bit, this would be it because that offensive line is in shambles. And I'm not sure what kind of time he's going to have. So at that price, I don't see the value in taking a risk on an Andrew Luck. I totally agree. And there's a couple of players that I actually really like at their price tags right now. A couple of bargain basement type shopping deals, if you might add. Uh, Robert Griffin III. Uh, going against that Philadelphia secondary we just talked about a little bit there. And uh, Case Keenum in L.A. going up against the San Francisco 49ers defense that uh, really uh, doesn't know its head from its hindquarters right now. Yeah, um, I'll tell you a guy I like. I don't know if he's bargain, bargain basement. Um, but I'll tell you, I think Tyrod Taylor is a solid play this week too. I do like Tyrod a lot as well, yes. Okay, so that's enough for quarterbacks. They've, they've had their moment in the sun with us. They, they get all the props every other day everywhere else in the world, so we won't give them too much on our show. And they get all the girls. Uh, well, they're football players. Let's talk about the running back position. Who are we going to pay to play at running back? This week, I'm actually paying up for the best two running backs available. In, the, in my mind right now, that's Adrian Peterson and Todd Gurley. Their price tags are still relatively low compared to what you're paying for the top wide receivers. Now, obviously, uh, in most uh, uh, FanDuel and DraftKings have some form of PPR element to them, but uh, Pearson Gurley, their price tag comparison to their top wide receivers, I've got a roster, both or or at least one of them on every team. Okay. I like both of them. Um, This is a week where I'm not afraid of Todd Gurley. I am a little concerned how and what's going to play out there with you know what they've got going on a quarterback and are they going to start stacking the box, et cetera. But I like him this week against San Francisco. That's a team that's, I think, just going to cost Chip Kelly his job in the NFL. He'll be back at college because of this. Um, a guy that I wouldn't mind paying up for is at number three, David Johnson. I think he's the real deal. Um, the Patriots, they don't have Chandler Jones this year. The game's in Arizona. Um, I just... New England will have a good showing. that They always do. But Johnson will be involved in every aspect of that game. And I think that he's a solid play for a guy if you want to pay top dollar for a running back. And I think Arizona can actually use him a lot this week, particularly with uh, Larry Fitzgerald. Still not 100%. And John Brown just getting cleared off the concussion protocol. Both will play in this game, but I think that both will probably be limited to some degree which just means more opportunities for them to, to basically ground and pound with uh, Mr. Johnson. Okay. And how about a couple guys you don't like? Well, you might hear these names a lot from me this season. Uh, Devontae Freeman, uh, it's a really, really awful, awful uh, offensive line there in Atlanta, and I think they're going to be in a passing game against Tampa Bay, so I'm, st- I'm staying away from him. I'm also scared of what Tevin Coleman's going to do, taking touches away from him. Uh, Matt Forte... I don't like the matchup uh, going against the Bengals. The Bengals' strength is their defense in the middle, 
and that's where 4K tends to run. So uh, at their price tags, again, they're both in that same range where I can get a decent uh, second running back uh, that's going to be better than them at the same price. I'll tell you somebody that I'm steering clear of, um, and that's Jamal Charles. I yeah. mean, he's, what, the fifth most expensive running back, basically. Um, $200 cheaper than Elliott on DraftKings. Uh, $100 more expensive than Elliott at FanDuel. $200 less than Adrian Peterson. And who knows if he even plays, let alone how many touches he gets. So I'm steering clear of Jamal Charles this week. Well, it's interesting you bring up Jamal Charles because two of my favorite sleepers this week at running back are Ryan Matthews for Philadelphia going against an incredibly incompetent Cleveland team, and Spencer Ware, who uh, is an interesting thought. His price tag is really, really cheap on all three sites, uh, but you also have to wonder how much of a chalk play he'll be. Now, by chalk play, for those people who aren't overly familiar with DFS, that's a player that's going to be on most rosters just based on the fact that he's being given an opportunity to start at a ridiculously low price. So if you're in a giant GPP or a, a multiplayer tournament, you may want to stay away from Spencer Ware. But if you're playing in a 50-50 or a cash game situation where you need to find some cheap dollars to put players in, Ware is a very good bargain this week. I'll tell you who my bargain play is this week. I like Theo Riddick. I mean, he's playing against an Indianapolis defense that probably couldn't stop most people's grandmothers. Um, and you know he's going to be involved in the passing game because that's all he's ever involved in. And in a PPR format, I mean, what's not to like getting a running back for four grand or 5100 between those two sites? Well, I like him definitely on FanDuel and DraftKings based on price tag. But RT Sports actually has him a little bit higher. I believe he's at 6900 on there. And, 65, uh, yep. 65. So I'm a little scared about uh, using him there. But in those other two formats, he definitely makes a decent bargain. Yeah, you know what? If it's if they want somebody for RT Sports, take a look at Sean Drawn at twenty two hundred bucks. There you go. If Carlos Hyde doesn't play, although Sean Drawn might not play, in which case you might have to roll with Mike Davis, who I believe is booking in at the uh, league minimum two thousand. Two grand, yep. So, all right, um, that's running back. Let's go make some people some money at wide receiver because this is the year of the wide receiver. Like if. You know how like the Chinese New Year's, yeah, the year of the monkey, and this would be the year of the wide receiver. Well, you know what? Uh, I'm actually going to start with the players I don't like at wide receiver this week because it kind of plays into our conversation from earlier about who do you start, who do you not start questions and whatnot. And the two guys I'm not starting at wide receiver were two of the first four players taken in most drafts, and that's Antonio Brown and Julio Jones. Julio Jones is already dealing with an ankle injury, uh, obviously, he's played through that before. I think it's going to be a passing game. But when you look at the price tag that he faces, there's so many other guys available at wide receiver that are going to produce very good quality numbers at a much, much cheaper price. He's he's a good $1,000 over the next tier of receivers. Same with Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown is the highest-priced guy, and for good reason. He catches everything he's thrown to him. But this week, he gets a test that he hasn't really had to face in a long time, and that's going up against Josh Norman. Now, it remains to be seen what effect that has on his play. And it remains to be seen what the and how the Redskins will use Josh Norman with regards to that. So I think from a DFS standpoint, you're right. It's you got a chance that you can take a pass on Antonio Brown. There's no sense in taking that risk, especially at that salary rate. The guy I'm passing on this week is another top five guy um, based on salary at those sites, and that's Des Bryant. I don't care how good Dak looked in the preseason. I have no idea what to expect 
in the regular season. And I need to see it before I take that gamble. And it's rough because his price tag's so high. It looks like a soft matchup against the uh, New York Giants. And uh, those two teams tend to have high-scoring affairs. But I agree. I'm, I'm kind of steering away from, uh, from him there. And he very well could. He very well could have you know six catches, 125 yards, two touchdowns. I just think it's risky. And I don't want to take that kind of risk in week one at that kind of a salary. So then the guys that I'm kind of looking at playing are guys that I've kind of preached about all preseason as being guys that were my favorite picks. And that's uh, Keenan Allen, who books in a good 1,500 under those top-tier wide receivers, and T.Y. Hilton, who books in about 2,000 under those top-tier receivers. Both of these two have good matchups, and each has a price tag considerably below the uh, top-tier receivers in their bracket. So, you know what? I like Allen. He's going to be at Kansas City. I like Kilton versus Detroit. Those two matchups there have high-scoring, large points uh, potential to them. So they're two guys I'm going with a little cheaper than the higher-priced guys. You know, I'm looking at it, and I really don't see anybody that I love in the higher-priced guys, honestly. Um, does Brandon Cooks at 76, 7,700 count as a higher-priced guy? He, that's moderate to me. Um, I think if I was going to roll with a high-priced guy, I'm going to roll with Antonio Brown, even though it goes against everything we just said with what you, why you don't like Antonio Brown. I don't want to roll with one of these high-priced guys, honestly, because I see a lot of risk at, at all of them. There's something in every one of those top five, six guys that just makes me go, there's pause. And if that's the case, then I'm going to go with the one that's got the track record that's the strongest out of all of them. And over the past two years, you'd be hard-pressed to find anybody that's done it better than Antonio Brown. Well, I think that kind of leads into my concept with the running backs, taking the high running backs this week in terms of dollar value. You've got the money to spend. You might as well spend it at the position that's going to be a little bit more sure instead of spending big on some question mark players at the top of the wide receiver core, particularly when there's so many good value bargain players in that third and fourth and fifth tier of wide receiver this week. Yep. Uh, three guys I'm targeting a lot right now are Tavon Austin going up against that San Francisco secondary. I think he's going to be a major part of that offense. He'll be catching a lot of swing passes from Case Keenum, uh, who I mentioned earlier in quarterbacks. Marvin Jones Jr., uh, another player in that Detroit-Indianapolis game, which should turn into a point orgy. And finally, uh, one of my favorite sleepers uh, this year in draft season was Rashard Matthews. Now, it remains to be seen what the split's going to be between him and Tajay Sharp uh, for receptions and targets in Tennessee. Obviously, they're both playing second fill to Delaney Walker, but in a game where Matthews is going to be lining up in the slot a fair amount there too, uh, I don't think Minnesota has the secondary to cover the slot receiver as well as they do to shut down whoever's lined up outside. Uh, so I, I like Matthews' chances, particularly at $3,300 price tag on DraftKings. I'll tell you, two of the guys I like, um, and they may not be super cheap, but and the one's definitely not a sleeper, but I like Dante Moncrief. I think he's priced well. Um, as I said, I'm taking Pauls with Andrew Luck this week. That's the exact reason why I liked Dante Moncrief, and I like him a little more than T.Y. Hilton, and that's because I'm not sure how much time he's going to have to drop back and get passes off. So the longer developing plays, which is what normally would benefit a T.Y. Hilton, I think could be troublesome. So that means quick dropbacks, quick passes. Moncrief's going to be that possession-type guy. I think we could see him with you know eight grabs and 100-plus, and if we're lucky, maybe a touchdown. The other guy I like is a guy that was, forget sleepers, there's just no sleepers anymore in, in fantasy football, but a guy that was 
um, getting hyped all summer long and I think was going a little higher than I would have liked to have seen him go in drafts, but I think presents good value this week is Tyler Lockett in Seattle. Uh, I'm not so sure on Lockett, uh, although he's got a great matchup. Miami's secondary is a total mess right now. There you go. And, I mean, they're signing guys off the street to play there. So uh, he's actually listed third on their depth chart behind Jermaine Curse. I think we all know the real truth there, though, that Lockett is the guy. Plus, uh, in, in most DFS sites, if a player returns a kick or a punt for a touchdown or gets points on special teams, those go into Lockett's pocket as well. Yeah. I just... I at that price, I think he's a nice, you know, end of end of your roster type guy, and I like Lockett's pocket. I like that. Maybe that should be a team name for someone. Mm. There you go. Um, so let's move on from the wide receiver position to the tight end spot. Who are you paying well, to play a tight end this week? Uh, I'm avoiding the uh, top tier tight ends. I think the same thing we're talking about with the uh, quarterbacks. They're going to produce, they're going to get value, but they're not going to get a lot of exceeding value above price. So the guys I'm targeting are that second-tier tight end, Zach Ertz for 4,300 versus Cleveland, Antonio Gates for 4,200 at Kansas City. Now, the nice thing about Gates is he's faced Kansas City 24 times during his career. In those 24 games, he has 18 touchdowns. Those are the type of numbers and consistently we like to see, particularly when your quarterback goes out and tells the media that he's going to get you the career touchdown record this season. Yeah, that's something that's good to know, right? Um, I agree with you on Ertz, so I won't echo um, what you said with him. I'll tell you, there's one top guy that I would pay up for, if only this week. Um, We know he's healthy, which we can't always say. He had a good year last year. But Mr. Jordan Reed against that um, Pittsburgh pass defense, I think that that's a prime matchup that the Redskins should look to exploit. And his price tag isn't horrible. He's actually about uh, 2000 below Gronkowski and most of the sites. So uh, I think you can definitely find room for him on your roster, particularly if you go cheaper at wide receiver. Yep. So who are you, who are you avoiding this week at tight end? Well, I'm, uh, I'm not going to go with the uh, KC boy, Travis Kelsey, this week. Uh, San Diego, uh, he's faced them four times. He's never scored against them. Never had more than 52 yards against him. And realistically... It's not the, the one tough spot for uh, facing San Diego secondary may be their safeties. Uh, when you're looking at Gary Barnage uh, at Philadelphia, uh, the pumpkin, it's about to be midnight and the pumpkin's going to turn back into a carriage or whatever the stupid uh, nursery rhyme went. Uh, Barnage, not a good matchup this week versus Philadelphia. Same thing. Philadelphia's defense is horrid. They were horrid last year. The one exception was at tight end where they only allowed six passing touchdowns. I actually think that Philly defense is going to be much improved this year. I really do. They look pretty good this preseason. They, uh, I think they uh, had nine interceptions, only five touchdowns allowed passing. And, and you know what that comes from, I think, and I talk about this a lot on when I'm on radio with Steve Dumick down in Tampa. People don't realize that if you've got bad cornerbacks, it's probably because you're not getting the type of pressure you should get up front. Or if you're not getting the sacks, it's because you've got cornerbacks that aren't holding their own so that they the front can get to the quarterback. Well, they added um now see his name's going to escape me the former detroit lions coach jim schwartz they've added schwartz and his concept and they've they're moving to a 4-3 versus the 3-4 they played um they've got some guys that can get after the quarterback you'll see some of that wide nine stuff so i think the pressure that schwartz's defense is going to bring is going to help 
the the secondary for the Eagles this year. And you already know that you've got a very solid guy in, in um, Malcolm Jenkins back there. So it, it'd be hard to be worse um, at cornerback. But I think that the pass rush is going to be something that really helps that Eagles defense this year. As for me, the guys that I'm avoiding at tight end this week are Tyler Eifert and Jimmy Graham. No, I'm kidding. Of course you should be avoiding those guys. And anybody that's even considering Jimmy Graham at this point, you got to see it. I mean, Victor Cruz finally played. He might played. not even play this game. Yeah, Victor Cruz finally got back on the field for an NFL snap, what, two years later from the same basic injury? So, um, now the guy that I'm going to avoid this week is, and this may be sacrilege, but I'm avoiding Rob Gronkowski. I'm sorry, Tom Brady's not playing. I don't know what to expect from Jimmy Garoppolo. And if you were the Arizona Cardinals and you had to take away one player on that offense, who are you going to choose to take away? Well, there's already talk that uh, Tyron Matthew will shadow Rob Gronkowski whenever possible. And if that does indeed come to pass, uh, Matthew has the capability of shutting him down. Two, wait, two of the loud, louder, larger-than-life ego players in the league going right at it. So it would be an interesting matchup one way or the other. Yeah, and the Cardinals have what it takes in that secondary, I think, to, to do that. So I'd be very, very um, scared of playing Gronkowski this week. Of course, he can go off any, at any given time, but that's a guy that I'd steer clear of. Well, and there's two guys down at the bottom of the spending spectrum that I really like this week at tight end. One is Dwayne Allen. He's finally free of Kobe Fleener in Indianapolis. Uh, again, it's going to be a high-scoring affair with Indianapolis and Detroit. You really need to get all your players into the lineup there for both sides. And uh, the guy I'm taking a flyer on in a lot of leagues right now is Jesse James. Jesse James is going to be your starting tight end for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Again, we talked a little bit about the matchup there. Washington improved their secondary during the offseason. Uh, there, there's still some question marks at safety, though. They're, they're not that deep in the secondary. And none of their defensive backs is taller than 6'2". Jesse James, 6'7". Ben Roethlisberger loves his tight ends, particularly when he's in trouble. There's no Le'Veon Bell. There's no Martavius Bryant. There's going to be targets available for James. I'm definitely going to ride him for the first couple of weeks. I like both of those calls. I think Allen's much safer. James is a little bit riskier move. Um, I'll tell you a guy that I like a lot, and I don't think he got near enough attention during the preseason. He moved up a little bit after week three of the preseason, and that's Jared Cook. I mean, you just go back and look the past three or four years. Where did most Aaron Rodgers tight ends get drafted? And what were the expectations, and did they perform? Cook's more talented than any of those guys since Jermichael Finley, right? So I just think he's going to be a great play all season long. At some point, his salary will catch up with him. But you know what? In week one at $2,900 on, um, I believe that's FanDuel, DraftKings. $2,900 at DraftKings, that's a steal in my eyes. 5300 it's a little bit higher, um, but he's still on the lower end, still cheaper than Dwayne Allen. I'd go with Jared Cook as my um, budget play. I, I do like Jared Cook a lot. I think that uh, if any team can make Richard Rodgers eight touchdowns healthy, then Jared Cook has the ability to score at least eight touchdowns this year. Uh, this week has a chance to be a fairly high-scoring game against Jacksonville. Uh, Jacksonville, same thing. They've got decent cornerbacks, a few question marks in their uh, safety category. So I think that Cook, uh, although he's never really done extremely oh. well in any given situation. Oh. He's also never had a quarterback that, yeah. the talent of 
Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball. He's barely had a quarterback that should have been playing in the NFL, quite honestly. So I'm excited to see what Mr. Cook does this year. I really am. And I would not be surprised if he was a top three tight end when everything's all said and done. And there was no risk in drafting him. It was, a, it was criminal where he was going in drafts based on the risk that it took to, to put him on your roster. So I'll tell you, that's a, good, that's a good first week leading up to real football this week. So any parting thoughts before we say goodbye? Well, you know what? Just two more days, folks. Two more days. 48 hours. Get your lineups in and make sure that you have a good time this weekend. And by the time they hear you say that, it will actually be 24 hours. So with that, you know what? Make sure you tune in next week and we'll recap some of what happened. We'll have a better idea of what to expect going forward. And hopefully we'll make you a little bit more money on DFS side of things, too. Um, as usual, follow Harley on Twitter at Nuclear Harley. Follow myself at Steve Gallo NFL. And if you're not doing so already, please feel free to subscribe and rate and review us on iTunes. So until next week, get Blitz responsibly. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>